Welcome to the Extraordinary Being Movement, where we inspire you to take action, influence you to make change, and motivate you for success. This is your host and coach, Linda Carmine, along with my co-host tonight, I have the one and only... Fred Martinez. Fred Martinez, who's always on the light, we got to work on that. Chris Shiver's with us tonight, but he's behind the scenes, so we can stay completely focused and attention on our special studio guest tonight, the one and only Tina Vallant. Tina is just a real estate extraordinaire. She has built herself up from the ground up. She was a real estate agent in Florida for many years, came out to Arizona, built an award-winning team, and she's here tonight to talk to us about the real estate market, what's going on, what she foresees for the future, especially what's going on with our, the coronavirus. As you know, we just got, the governor just has AZ right now, Arizona, on a little bit of a lockdown. So it's going to be affecting businesses all over the state and across all over the world. So we're here to get her insight and her opinion on how this is gonna affect the real estate market. In addition, she has some great news about some upcoming projects she's working on that she's gonna share with us as well. So Tina, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know I didn't do you justice. You did a pretty good job, actually. Thank you. That was good. I'm like, I hope I can live up to that. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you're pretty much right on. My background is I started in real estate 20 years ago in Florida in timeshare sales. I always tell people, don't hate me. I became a trainer in sales after I was nominated least likely to succeed in my in my sales training class and blew the socks off of everybody. And I was the only one left after two months and just kept going for several years. Top 10 in my resorts, number one most of the time. Um, and then I had a tragic car accident that wasn't my fault, lost my home. And all of a sudden, everybody was losing their homes. And I was like, okay, I'm not alone. But I was still scared to death. So what happened was I became the voice for those that didn't have a voice and started doing loan modifications and short sale negotiations and setting up law offices in Florida for foreclosure defense and became a master negotiator for 10 years, saving over a thousand families on my own, not including the teams that I built. Um, and then I moved here and wanted to get away from all that. I couldn't break free from that name of being the short sale master. Sure. So moved here, started over. Everybody told me in Florida I would never make it as a general real estate agent. <laughs> and <laughs> here we are, three and a half, not even three and a half years, three years later. And a lot of them are asking actually to learn from me. So here we are. <laughs> I know it's amazing accomplishment. You came from you were the underdog and then just rose to the top when people didn't believe you, but you believed in yourself. Exactly. And that's why we've had you on the show tonight, because you took yourself from just being ordinary, you took yourself to being extraordinary, and you continue on that journey. So well, I think that my real passion is just, I love teaching other real estate agents how to be successful, which is why I have a team. You don't get rich having a real estate team. If anybody tells you that, they're not telling you the truth. Okay. The reality is, is that I get to fulfill my destiny every day by teaching them how to be amazing. And that's my true passion. I love that. I love that. If you love, because that's what we love to do here on the Extraordinary Beam is to teach, to educate, to grow people, to have them think beyond just the average thinking in life. And I'm glad to see that you're out there and trying to make a difference in other people's lives by taking people who are, have a passion for real estate 
and just adding on top of it. Exactly. Love it. Love it. And now and I heard you have a new program out, right? I do. Um, I started, well, first of all, and you knew me back when I had first started yes. team, right? And what I did was I started combining all of my timeshare experience and training with all of the negotiations that I learned with the law offices and implementing and building teams and started creating all of these trainings for my specific team. So um, with that said, I, they were so successful and they started winning so many awards and doing all these things. My, my first year really having them that I started wanting to teach other agents how to be as successful as them. Mm-hmm. And then I came up with the 16 steps to real estate success, which is literally from the point of open houses all the way through the close of a property, how to truly build those long lasting relationships that will be with you a lifetime in your career. And with that is um, extensive sales training, mm-hmm. like corporate level sales training wow. that real estate agents don't get. Everybody you know, doesn't tell them that they're getting into sales and that they need to learn how to sell. And guess what? Sure. They do. They need to learn how to close. They need to learn how to like read their clients. And so I teach all of that personality profiling, mirroring and matching, closing techniques. I mean, anything and everything you can think of in corporate sales. Okay. Yeah. And uh, being a real estate agent myself at one point, I totally get where you're coming from. You you just get a license and you just throw it on the phones and say, hey, good luck. You know, there's not anybody that really teaches what you're teaching, especially from the corporate level. Right. You know, and being able to make those cold calls, cold calls, and being feel being comfortable that getting a no is okay. It's just a game. Right. And it really is a numbers game. One of the biggest classes that I teach is from a book called Go for No. Yes, uh, that's a great book. Love that book. So I created this whole training on it and it really hits people between the eyes and they're like, okay, so I've been so afraid of rejection and I see myself between failure and success when really it takes you equals failure equals success. You can't truly have successes until you have failures. Sure. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because I think that works for really for anybody in any business. Sure. Um, The whole premise behind go for no is it takes 10 people um, to get two yeses. So you meet 10 people, you're you're trying to sell to 10 people. Two of them are going to say yes, but eight of them are going to say no. And it just becomes a numbers game. So if you start going for the no, you won't stop when you're on a hot streak. Real estate Mm -hmm. agents are notorious for getting a couple in the pipeline. They're getting ready to close and they lay off, right? And they kind of sit back. Oh, I got some paychecks coming in. And then what they don't realize is they just set themselves back four to six months because they're not continuing to build on their future business. They're letting their current business affect their future business. So if they go for no and they are trying to hit that eight no's per two that Mm -hmm. say yes to them for continued communication, eventually they'll hit their numbers and go beyond because they're not taking their foot off the gas pedal. They're also not seeing it as failure. It's a game that you play in your head. Okay, well, it wasn't a yes. It was a no, which is great. I actually get to go for more no's. Yeah. So a lot of real estate agents starting out don't really realize that it could take two to three months for a property to possibly close and there's still no guarantee. Exactly. You gotta keep that pipeline filled, especially if, if you're in any business on straight commission, you gotta keep that pipeline filled. Yes. It, you never know what's going to happen. Especially yes. right now, for example, how the market is just completely changing and evolving. 
It's changing in a big way. I mean, my agents are still voting to do open houses. Um, I told them I, you know, I wouldn't give them a hard time if they didn't want to do open houses. Their safety is more important than anything. But all of them are still on the schedule. They're still out there every every week. Um, we do open houses five days a week, and you know they pick their days. And everybody that's coming in, yes, their traffic is way lower. I mean, normally this time of year we see anywhere from twenty five to fifty couples come in per open house per day. Mm-hmm. And right now we may see five, we may see two. But if somebody's getting out of their car to go into an open house right now, they're a legitimate buyer or seller. Yeah, they're pretty serious. They're serious. <laughs> so our conversion rate is crazy. It's yeah. over 50% of people that walk in the door right now. My agents wrote three offers this week. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, with everything being going on right now, especially in the state of Arizona, where they're doing a, uh, a I don't know if you call it a lockdown, with only only essential employees out and about, non-essential, they want them to stay home. How is that going to affect? Because this thing could go on a little bit longer because I know they're they're saying that could be the end of August. And that's one thing I've been been hearing from other people, from people who Mm -hmm. works as epidemiologists. Right. So I'm working closely with Agent Hub 360. I don't know if you guys know who they are. They have a pretty phenomenal program. And um, Kelly and Ben and I are collaborating on how to do virtual open houses, um, how to do virtual showings, how to do virtual listing appointments. And they want me to combine the sales training that I do with what they're doing virtually to get their agents set up for success across the board. And we're, we're really going to be starting to do a lot more of those virtual things out there. My agents can easily go into a home, video it, and then do basically like a virtual tour and post it. It may not be our listing. Get permission from the agent and just say, hey, you know, I'd like to market your listing to see if I can capture some buyers. Are you okay with that? And so we're really starting to get on the technical side. Some of my older agents are not liking the technology side a lot, <laughs> but, but they're coming around. They're doing what they can. And that's what's important. Great. And so, what type so, of precautions are your team taking? Wait, wait, hold on. Two questions. Oh, wait, over. I'm sorry, Fred. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. So the other, the other question is, is that how long closing might possibly take because I know I have a friend of mine who went to go look at a property and he was saying that the the property value completely dropped it, this uh, this one particular property was like a hundred thousand now it's like sixty thousand and so he's really interested in buying this property sure. however they did tell him it could take about 40 to to 60 days on getting all the paperwork getting the money approved and all that just because of everything that's going on with the economy right now, or not in the economy, but the the state where we're in with this virus. So I'm going to give a disclaimer. I am not a loan officer. However, my boyfriend is. (laughs) I get to sit behind the scenes and listen to all of these, you know, crazy video conferences that they're having and all of that kind of stuff. And here's what's going on. Down payment assistance went away last week for a little bit. Now Academy Mortgage brought it back on. Um, we had a transaction that was supposed to close last week that was brokered out on a cash out refinance and, um, he was self-employed bank statement loan. And all of a sudden that broker closed their doors and denied all of their loans literally like seven days before closing. 
And so unfortunately, our margins of different types of loans are starting to narrow down a little bit. And at the same time, conventional FHA, VA are still out there. What people need to take into consideration is this. Lenders have to be, they have to take caution at this time. So if you were pre-qualified before with your pay stubs and, and your W-2s and everything else, it's come down the pipe that they're going to start asking for a verification right before closing that you're still working and that you're still working the same amount of hours. So they want pay stubs right before you close now. That's a big deal because I've had several people call and he's had several people call that said, well, I'm not working right now and I'm in this loan. That's not going to work. Wow. So those are things that we all have to take into consideration, but I personally am glad they're doing that because that's going to prevent us crashing down the road. And that's a really important thing. Lenders have to be more responsible so that we don't face the 2006, 2007, 2008. Okay. That was another question I wanted to ask you. So I just assume that what might end up happening in order to start stimulating the economy, that they're going to start laxing things so then people can be able to buy homes because there's going to be a lot of foreclosures with what's kind of going on. Uh, right. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I have my own personal projection of what's going to happen right now. Everybody's in a very positive, positive situation, right? Um, in that they can call their loan, their, their mortgage company, and they can get a deferment for 60 days. And if they need longer, they can defer that up to 30 days, four more times. Okay, well, here's the thing. Those payments go to the back end of the loan. But if they haven't recouped from not working and not doing, you know, making an income and being able to pay all of their bills, all of that's going to mount over time. And so what's going to happen at the end of that six months for everybody? And that's something that we really have to take a look at. I'm already starting to build my short sale training for agents and loan officers. Loan officers how to negotiate and agents on how to deal with those types of clients. And it's because I see it coming. There is going to be another wave of property values going down and short sales taking place. And we have to be ready. It is the reality. Right. Okay. So, and you know, it's another thing too. Last year I projected I buyers. Okay. They're buying up all of these properties. You know, you've got your Redfin and open door and all of these, all these guys. And I'm like, watch what happens. The economy is going to sink. They're going to be stuck with all of this inventory. And then I used to negotiate these, these portfolio packages where all of a sudden they're going to start bundling all of those properties that they have. And they're going to start selling them to multi-million dollar investors for pennies on the dollar because they're stuck with all of these properties. And that's they're They've already pulled back. They're not giving any more offers right now. No, I, yeah, I agree with Thank you on that. What was that, Fred? I was going to say that kind of sounds like some of these people are, are uh, when they're buying investors and then when they bundle it all together, it kind of sounds like a, a, like a non-traded REIT where investors can go ahead and buy these multiple properties. Because so, I know I wanted to try and get into that so I can didn't want to get into the whole real estate market, but I uh, personally investing. But if I lumped it up with a bunch of other investors, that what they were doing was every, they based it on the square footage. And then what they would do is whatever amount of money you put in and then the square footage, they would pay you out a dividend. And then when they would sell you the, the when they would, whenever they would sell the property, you get the percentage of whatever 
that you, the amount you put in, like you have shares basically. So there's a lot of hedge funds that do that type of thing. There's a lot of REITs that do that type of thing. Florida was hit for a really long time from the last crash. And I was right in the middle of it. I was in the epicenter for 10 years negotiating these things. And I negotiated huge notes of properties where there was all of these properties and they wanted um, a billion dollars. I had one portfolio that was a billion dollars. But then they have to go through and they have to scour down all of these properties and figure out which ones are good and which ones aren't good. And are they, are they rented already? Are they not rented already? It's, it's, it's a mess. And here's the thing that people need to understand is when you get stuck with a bunch of properties like that, you're literally selling them for 25 to 30 cents on the dollar that you purchased them for. So they're losing a ton of money. And I've been warning people about iBuyers for the last two years saying they're going to get caught. They're going to get stuck with a bunch of properties that they're, they're going to have to become property management. That's exactly what they're going to have to do until they can unload those properties. So that's my theory. Well, thanks. <laughs> Len's got a big old smile up there. I know because I used to do foreclosures and short sales and that was my specialty. Uh, yes. back when I was doing real estate in Pennsylvania. So I completely get where you're coming from, especially negotiating these deals and how these banks work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they'll send an agent to look at the property. Sometimes they just, they don't, and they just take a gamble on it. Sometimes yeah. they're workable. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they they expect these, all this money for a property when you go into it, it's mold damage inside. Listen, Len, it's yeah. all about how you negotiate. Listen That's to right. negotiator here. <laughs> That's right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to is when you're doing these deals that you have to be a really savvy negotiator and you got to be patient yep. and you have to have the money up front for most well, people. You do and you don't. Now, here's yeah. the thing. When you go into the short sale market, I did many a short sales where the people were obtaining loans. Okay. And how you write those offers, it's an as-is offer. And how you write those offers is as soon as um, it, it's not a closing date. It's upon yeah. approval, 30 days from approval. Correct. That way you can still get your loan in order and all of that as soon as it's been approved. So it doesn't have to be cash buyers. Cash buyers work really, really well. And I yeah. actually had a conversation with my team today. I'm like, all right, it's time for you guys to start loading up your investor contacts because those investors who have saved their money all this time and stopped buying a little while ago, Mm -hmm. they're going to have all this money and they're going to want to capitalize on that type of market. So you need a whole portfolio of those types of people. And maybe what we're going to do is we're going to do virtual tours of those properties and let them bid with us. Who wants to put in the highest offer for that short sale? Sure. And with people not traveling right now, they're going to have, have a lot more money to hold on to that they could be spending and investing for those savvy investors that see the turn in the market. Exactly. Because Issues like this, chaos like this always opens up opportunity and a lot of people walk away being very successful and very rich. I did very well in the 10 years that I was in Florida working with distressed homeowners. Mm -hmm. I had a huge conversation with my team today about if the market turns that way, don't worry. I'm going to be pulling lists for you guys to go knock on doors. When I did my model in Florida, I had 26 listings in a two-month period just by going and knocking on doors. Sure. So... You yeah. know, the letters don't work as well. You actually got to go meet them face to face and they need to see that you're genuine and yeah. that it's not us personally buying their property. 
that we're actually going to help them with all of their options and figure out the best option for them. And that's key right there. A lot of people don't realize that they have options. They don't. So they throw away the leather. They won't answer the phone. They'll just wait and wait and wait until it gets so bad that there's nothing they can do. But people do have options. They do. And, you know, I'm one of like seven people in the U.S. that can say I have a 100% track record in loan modifications. Mm -hmm. The thing that disheartened me about loan modifications was that over 80% of people that obtained loan modifications ended up defaulting again within the first two years. Mm -hmm. That broke my heart. You also have to understand that that was in a judicial state. Florida's judicial. We can keep a foreclosure for up to five years in Florida. Here in Arizona, you missed 90 days worth of payments and your house is on the auction. You don't have foreclosure defense here. Mm -hmm. So time is of the essence with anybody that's laid on their payments to get help. Sure. And Tia, can you just explain real quickly what a loan modification is, just in case people aren't familiar with that word? So with a loan modification, people are able to, well, they need somebody to negotiate on their behalf because you're too emotionally invested in your own property and and it's very personal for you. So you need a very non-biased person to negotiate for you. Let me make it clear. Federal mandate states that nobody can be paid for loan modifications up front. If anybody's asking you for money up front, it's typically fraudulent and it's against federal guidelines. The, the attorney general will be all over that, okay? And, and part of my job with the attorneys was to keep them above board and with all of the policies that came down over that 10 years. Sure. That still stands true. Loan officers and attorneys can negotiate loan modifications for a fee legally, mm-hmm. but they can't get paid until it's complete. Very important, okay? What a loan modification is, is a restructuring of their current loan. So to give you an example, I had one lady that had a first mortgage and she had a second mortgage. Her second mortgage payment was actually more than her first mortgage payment. It was like $1,200 a month. I actually got her lender to negotiate her payment to $200 a month. They took everything that she was behind, put it to the back end of the loan, readjusted all of the terms of her loan, and that was her new payment for the rest of the term. With her first mortgage, we were actually able to do the same thing. We took, I think it was two years of back payments, because remember, judicial state, Mm -hmm. put them on the back end of the loan, restructure her loan, and lower her payment because they forgave principal. So they lowered her payments on her first mortgage to $700 a month. This woman was paying $3,000 a month prior to her two loan modifications. It's a lot. It's huge. Yeah. And sadly, she defaulted again within the first Mm -hmm. two years. Broke my heart. I almost cried when I called her to give her the information (laughs) that I lowered her second mortgage down to $200. Or $200. Now, here's the other interesting thing. One of the other things that I modified back then was um, second mortgages and HELOCs. I was actually able to get short payoffs on second mortgages and HELOCs, home equity line of credit, um, where in a short sale scenario, let's say the first lender, um, they're going to have the most right. They have to approve that the second lender is going to get something. Usually it's about $3,000, even if that person owes $100,000, $200,000 on that second mortgage. Sure. They're going to get $3,000. So I was able to go in without people even 
losing their home and negotiate their second mortgages and their home equity line of credits down to a $5,000 payoff total with a complete deficiency waiver where the lender couldn't come after them. And now all of a sudden their property was in a positive equity. I did that all the time. Wow, that's great. So that's good to know that people have options and that you can, you can be there for them to advocate for them, to help them get them through the system. Absolutely. Because like you said, it is a very emotional roller coaster, especially when you have first and second mortgage. Well, it is. And what people need to understand is, okay, so here in this state, you miss 90 days of payments. Now, all of a sudden, the trustee takes it and they put it on the auction block, right? And if you don't have all the money that you owe them, or if you don't have an offer on your property, they're going to sell your home and you are going to be displaced. At least in Florida, we had a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. That same way in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Here, it's like you're three months, you're out, you're done. Now, here's what people need to understand is those lenders, whatever they sell the property for, they can actually come after you for the difference of what you owe. It's called a deficiency judgment, okay? And that's a really scary thing. Let's say you owe $500,000 and they only sold it for $300,000. You owe them $200,000 and they have up to five years to come after you for that. Is that the reason why people are uh, basically... uh filing for bankruptcy? Yes, exactly. Exactly. A lot of people will file for bankruptcy in that situation because it's the only way to get out of those deficiency judgments. Those judgments will carry around for 20 years. Yeah. Do you see them often out here? No, I really don't. Not in the market that we've been in here. When I first got here, I tried knocking on some doors of people that were losing their home. Interesting thing. You get a loan modification here that trustee is going to keep putting your home on the auction every single month. Wow. Just in case you miss a payment. Wow. That's, that's stressful. That's crazy here. It's way better to short sale than it is than it is to do a loan modification. Seriously. Okay. We don't play around here, but that's also what keeps our economy going. Mm-hmm. Arizona did not have the effects that Florida did. Florida still has short sales, not as many, but they still have them. And it's because they didn't bounce back as quickly as Arizona did because of Arizona's laws. Yeah. So. Yeah, even in Pennsylvania with foreclosures and short sales, it took months at a time. Somebody could be in foreclosure for a year and they still won't get to go you know, default. They can keep, pushing, have- them. They can keep pushing them. We had one client in Florida. I actually, um, when I was just in Orlando um, recently, um, met up with the my previous employer, the last attorney that I worked with. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that a client that we had together back in the day, I'm talking like six, seven years ago when I helped sign on this client, was still holding on to his property in the court system without making a payment that whole time. Yeah. To me, that's ridiculous. It is. Okay. Now, here's the other thing that I want to put out there in in times like this. One of the things that I heard all the time back then is, well, why should I keep paying my mortgage? My house isn't worth what what I owe. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, were you planning on staying in your house? Sure. It's kind of like the stock market. Your stock amount doesn't matter unless you want to sell it. Yeah. You hold on to it unless you want to sell it. If you were planning on moving... 
that's when it matters what your house is worth because eventually it's going to come back up again. So True. don't panic, everybody. If the market goes down, it'll go back up. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you. And that's what a lot of people's mindset right now is they're in this negative mindset. They're all panicking. But we've been through this before. Maybe not a pandemic, but we've had the market go up and down. And we always come back one way or another. It takes yeah, time. But we come, always come back more with more prosperity mm -hmm. one way or another through, mm -hmm. through this. So people don't, just sometimes just need to take a deep breath. They do. Yes. Like don't, you know, don't panic. Like don't go buy all the toilet paper and paper towels. Like That's just, all share. just be called. Everything's going to be okay. Even if we're stuck in our homes, you're still going to be able to wipe your butt. Like <laughs> everything is fine. So, so I have a question. Can you, do you accept toilet paper as a down payment? <laughs> no. However, I have offered toilet paper as a reward to my team. <laughs> there you go. I, I've seen some agents do a little gift basket with toilet paper and hand sanitizer and all that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the good news is, is the grocery stores are getting stocked again. We actually yes. found paper towels today. That was a big deal considering I was cleaning a house today. But... I was like, what am I going to do? There's like no paper towels. And so we finally found some, um, you notice like all the groceries have come back. There's milk again. There's yeah. eggs again. Oh my goodness. There's hamburger. We're all going to be okay. Don't panic. So that's right. That's right. Just, just be <laughs> smart, you know, cause right now there's a lack of leadership. You know, people are, people are not standing up where they could be and be taking on another role, but they're just afraid to because they just don't know what to do. Sure. And a lot of people don't have the knowledge and the resources to plan better and also start planning for the future of what to do next. Right. People get into this weird little bubble, okay? And I, and I have a hard time with it because to me, nothing is so disastrous that we're not going to survive, okay? Like, I always tell people all the time in real estate, there's no emergencies. Everything can be dealt with if you know how to talk it through. Like, right. just relax a little bit. I was having this meeting with my team today. We, of course, we do Zoom meetings. We don't all get together. Okay, so don't anybody panic on me. Like, I'm telling you, I've gotten some crazy messages recently. I bet. Can't believe you're letting your team still do open houses. Listen, it's personal choice. There's still people that want to buy houses. Yeah. Don't get mad me that I'm like doing zoom meetings with my team oh my goodness we're all staying you know socially distanced so <laughs> we were talking today though and I'm like you know how are you guys doing are you doing okay and they're like well we're, we're getting kind of scared and I'm like okay I need y'all to take a deep breath here's the good news the government is really helping throughout this pandemic okay it's not like the crash of, of 2006 2007 2008 where everybody was kind of on their own the government is really stepping in. So guess what? You can call your car payment companies and you can get a deferment for a couple of months. Even if you had one, I had one lady today. She had one six months ago. They were like, it's okay. It's not a problem. Right now we can give you two months. If that's not enough time, call us back at that point in time. And they just take the payments, doesn't hit your credit, goes to the back end of the term of your, of your car payments. Right. Yes, you're still paying interest on it, but small price to pay for you to have peace of mind that you have a little bit of cash in the bank, sure. right? Sure. Credit cards are doing the same thing. Loans, any type of loan is doing the same thing. Um, 
Really what you need to focus on is paying your electricity, making sure you have internet so that we can all communicate with each other because that's our own, only social world right now, right, is, is online. And making sure that, you know, you, you have everything, that you, the necessities of life, right? Other than that, everything else can be postponed. This is an emergency where you're going to be out on the street next month. Yeah. It's that's, how some people are, that's how some people are looking at it. They're looking at it as the doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. And I kind of look at it as a few things because I have, uh, mm -hmm. I have family members in the, in the medical field. Mm -hmm. So I kind of look at it that, that a little bit differently sure. than most other people. Because, and then when I do see people not doing that social distancing, going out, uh, I even known some people that are going on dates and I'm like, are you crazy? Really? Yeah. It's not worth it to me, man. Thank goodness I have my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not worth it to me. Like, you don't know where those people have been. <laughs> <laughs> no, people do need to take more precaution. I was actually talking to my um, oldest daughter tonight. She's 22. She's in Florida. Her name is Hope. And she's sick. And she's, she's freaking out right now. And she said to me, she's like, mommy, like, I, I, I think I got my husband sick. I think I got his friends on the base sick. Like, what if I, what if I pass this to, to my dad? And what if I, you know, and I'm like, because young people think that they're invincible. Yeah, they do. They think it's never going to hit them. So they're just going out. Like we have this whole glee scene outside of the apartments this last week. Jay comes running in and he's like, you're not going to believe this. There's like 12 young people out here, like in their early twenties doing this whole dance and singing thing. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I'm like, well, were they practicing social distancing? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, no, they were pretty close together. I'm like, oh, they're going to get everybody sick. <laughs> I know somebody that does that on uh, Camelback Mountain. Really? Like which yeah. part? Uh, he goes up to the top in Camelback Mountain, and he's over there with like uh, a couple other people, and they're all doing all these dance moves and things like that. It's choreographed. Okay. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's what he was telling me. All these people were, there was 12 of them. They were totally choreographed in what they were doing. And it was like this whole ensemble. And, and I'm like, how did I miss that? He's like, you were asleep on the couch. I'm like, wake me up for that stuff. I'll totally video that, right? <laughs> yeah, but when you video it, though, then you see other people imitating that. So, oh, that looks like fun. Right. And then you, know, you get all these people that are just FOMO, fear missing out, and they got to do it themselves. I know, I know. I, I mean, today I had one of my team members and my younger daughter who's 20 and Jay, we were all at the house and we were cleaning, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm looking at them and they're looking at me and I'm like, nobody's sick, right? Don't hug each other. Like keep your distance from each other as we're using all the disinfectants to clean, you know, <laughs> but still like it's, it's, it's a paranoid thing. Oh, it is. It is a quick question. What are you doing What are you and your team doing with these open houses when people come in? How are you guys taking precaution and also protecting people that enter? That's a good question, actually. Um, so they all do have hand sanitizer. They got it before everybody ran out, number one. Um, usually only one couple is in at a time right now because traffic is really slow. Yeah. Um, my team is not allowed to get six feet near them. Okay, they have to stay six feet away from them at all times. They have to disinfect their pens. They actually, when the couple leaves, they have to disinfect the doors. 
and everything so that, you know, nothing is spread around. They're not wearing masks. They've chosen not to wear masks, but they feel like they're, they're practicing safety in those types of things, which is important. And it's something we talk about every Monday. Are you guys practicing, you know, your safety? Are you, are you cleansing your hands? Are you sanitizing? Are you making sure that when you get home, you take off the clothes that you wore for the day, maybe hop in the shower, make sure that you get any germs that could possibly be on you off of you. Make sure you're not touching your nose, your eyes, your mouth while you're out in public before you get a chance to actually wash your hands. Um, that's a really big thing that people forget yeah. is, you know, if you touch your face, that's where it's going to go. So Ooh, keep sure. your hands away from your nose and your eyes and your mouth. And, you know, if, if you're eating, make sure you disinfect your hands before you eat. I can't tell you how many times people are like, well, I use the hand sanitizer. Yeah, but then you touched 10 different things. Yeah. And then you started putting things in your mouth. No, wash your hands and then you eat and then you wash your hands again. Very simple. Yeah, <laughs> That's the mom yeah. in me, guys. That's, That's the mom in me. <laughs> no, you make perfect sense. Or when people come into the house, are they asking to wear, wear gloves or anything like that? Or are you guys just wiping down door handles after showings? Yep, and they see us like disinfecting the pen after yeah. they touch it and you know, okay. things like that. So they know. Um, they can tell that my team is like staying away from them to let yeah. them have freedom. That's part of our model anyway, to set them free to look through the house. So that's part of the 16 steps. And so people appreciate that because we're not on them. We're not trying to shake their hand. We're not in their personal space, but by the way, we never are. Mm -hmm. That's part of our model. Yeah. No. Yeah. You give them the freedom to explore the home, hear the story that you have to tell about it. Yes. And, never. <laughs> <laughs> and have them, you know, really understand it and really appreciate it and really visualize themselves only that home. Yes, definitely. So they're, they're, they're doing really well as far as, you know, getting people to give their information, right. um, wanting to set up searches, understanding that, you know, we're not going to waste our time just going over to give a home evaluation if they're not serious. Mm -hmm. If one guy, he wants us to do a listing appointment at his house. I'm like, not, you, you have to get a loan to purchase something. We're not coming to meet with you until you get your prequel. Okay. We're just not, you have to work smarter right now. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you're really working on vetting these clients, these potential clients to make sure, is it a right, the right situation for me to be entering this home at this point? Are they really that serious that they want to move forward? Exactly. And I am technically a higher risk, which is part of the reason I didn't go to the studio tonight. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I had some health problems last year and things like that. And I had some sure. problems with my kidneys. And so my doctors and, and my, my natural doctors and things like that have said, you know, you specifically need to take some extra precautions because we have a hard time keeping your kidney levels normal. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if God forbid, I did get sick with this and you have to go on all these medications and things like that, it could be detrimental to me. So my team understands, yes, I'm going to be with you virtually at all of your listing appointments if you're going in, but first we're going to have a whole conversation about what type of client they are, what's really going on with them. Do they have a job if they want to buy something else? Are they currently working right now where they have current pay stubs before we even go to do a listing appointment? And then you're going to get on with me either on Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. 
and we can do those listing appointments with me on video with you. Because I can't, I'm not really allowed to go around that many people. So. Well, you're making the best use of technology and still supporting your team in the way that needs to be supported. I hope so. I mean, like we're learning it. more every day. Correct. Correct. So. so let me ask you this, Tina. If somebody is out there right now looking to sell their home, what, what can you share with us to help them be prepared when, so that they are ready for you to come over and visit them? I think the biggest thing is that, you know, if they having an idea ahead of time, do you want us to wear masks before we come over? Um, we're happy to wear gloves. You know, we're, we're happy to kind of keep a distance. When you walk in, you can kind of walk away from the door, just setting them up with the expectation, just like we would do with negotiations or anything else. Sure. You give them the expectations ahead of time of what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Then they're not caught off guard by anything. And you also understand their expectations. True. So they appreciate that we're taking their safety first mm -hmm. as well as our own. So if you say to them, you know, okay, so when I get there, just go ahead. I'll let you know that I'm there. Just go ahead and open the door and I'll stay six feet away from you. And you can give me a tour of the property first. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then when we sit down at the table, we'll sit across from the table in a little bit of distance. And, you know, I want you to know, I'm happy to wear gloves. If that makes you more comfortable, um, I sanitize right before I walk in, but I completely understand where you are. So just let me know what you need from me. Yeah. And that seems to be really successful. Also, um, with virtual listings, which is something I'm working with um, Agent Hub 360 on, mm -hmm. they have kind of perfected this whole virtual listing presentation. Okay. They want to show it to me this week, and then they want me to kind of implement it into the 16 steps of the listing process. And I think that's going to be really big over the next few months is getting people on a Zoom meeting just like this, because you can do Zoom on your phone. Oh, yeah. And is that what you're doing right now, Len? Oh, no, I'm on my laptop. Um, on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, you can have them on zoom right on their phone and they can actually give you a tour of their property without you actually being there. And then you can present your numbers right on zoom to them so that they understand based on what you've seen in that video. And it's very easy to do listing appointments virtually. Very easy. Sure. sure. We're, we're going to, we're going to go into a virtual into a virtual world a little bit here for quite a while. But I tell you what, once we're all able to start being out around people again, look out. People are going to go crazy, especially those daters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, on the flip side with buyers, how are you handling that? Um, if they are already pre-qualified and have already given all of their documents then we will actually take them to see a few properties. They have to ride in their own car. They still have to practice social distancing. We will wipe down the handles before they actually walk in. They're very careful not to touch anything in the homes. Very important. And then we wipe down when we leave. Perfect. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it sounds like you have everything in place necessary to keep yourself safe, your team safe, as well as potential clients, which is fantastic that's what people need a little bit right now. Some reassurance, some certainty. Clients have not bought into the idea of virtual showing. Okay. Yeah, we try. They're <laughs> like, well, I don't understand. Why can't you just show me the house? <laughs> 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 so 
like, all right, come along. Like, what are we going to do? Say no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's going to take a while for them to catch on to that. But it, there's pros and cons. So you don't have that same feel of going into the house, picturing mm -hmm. where all the items are going to be, the space, the, you know, where virtual it keeps you safer and you can probably see more and more angles. Right. You know, so well, you it, it is. It is hard to get people emotionally involved in a home if they're not standing in it. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't say to them, oh, can you imagine your Christmas tree in that window? Like you, sure. you can't say that, right? Sure. But there's other things that you can do. And that's what Agent Hub 360 has me working on is coming up with closing statements that will help close those deals okay. um, as they're doing their virtual presentations and tours. Okay, I think for anything virtual to work out, I think it would actually have to be where fast. Where is the, uh, you know, where where's the money? Um, when I say the facts is like, are they in a good school district? What is the resale value? Those are the things I kind of look at it as thinking, if I'm going to buy a, a home off of like a short sale, I'm looking at it as resale value down the road. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's the thing. We we're not allowed to predict what the resale value is going to be down the road, period. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very careful about that as real estate agents where we can't say, oh yeah, your house is going to increase in value and it's going to be worth more next year. We can actually be held liable for what we tell them. Oh, sure. So that's why they have that. What is that? The market the little market sheet that, you know, we can't predict what the future is going to mm -hmm. hold and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and we have to be really careful about that. But here's the thing. When we're looking at a virtual tour, yeah, we better know whether it's on a street, if it's next to the school, you know, what different things that do factor in no matter what market, how it's going to in, in impact that home. So. No, it's great. It's great that you have all these tools and these resources. So business does not have to stop. Real estate can keep going. I had one of my son's City West agents call me the other day, not my personal agent, but just a friend in HomeSmart. And he's like, okay, Tina, I have three new listings this week. Can your team do open houses for me next weekend? <laughs> you know, I mean, I have an agent right now that's listing two properties right now. Like I said, my, my team has written three offers in the last week. Real estate still moves forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. It will because continue both, to move forward. And we both know it's always a good time to buy real estate. It's always a good time. <laughs> because eventually the values will go up, even if they go down first. That's right. That's right. And how are interest rates right now? They're bad. Are they? What, what they're, are they're, in the, they're in the fours and fives. And here's why. Do you guys want to know the inside information yes, that I know please. on this? It's yeah, kind of yeah. enemy, like it is, because I get all this information, right? <laughs> so, um, all right. So what happened was the feds dropped the interest rate to 0%, and everybody was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's time to refi. Well, they didn't realize that the week before we had hit a little refi boom, and it flooded. It mm. flooded and, like, backlogged all of the, the lenders. Okay. So then what happened is they had to raise their rates to kind of try to slow people down a little bit so that they they could kind of catch up and catch their breath. So that's where we are right now. Hopefully they'll come back down again soon, but they've got to get through the refi 
um, boom that they just had a couple weeks ago. Now, there's a lot of companies out there, um, lending companies, that were literally just locking in people, from what I understand, before they were even talking to them. And that's what created that huge backlog. And they're not allowed to do that. So there's some companies that got in trouble out there. Yeah, that's, and we don't want them getting in trouble again because that's a whole nother problem we're going to have on top of all of this. <laughs> exactly. That's for sure. Right. And like I said, the good news is, is that we still have our conventional FHA and VA. So yes, it is going to take longer for things to close right now. I have one client that they're trying to get their DD-214 for their VA loan. And um, Jay is the lender on it. Um, my agent is the buyer's agent and the listing agent. And there's three transaction sides that are connected to this. Wow. We've been waiting five weeks for their DD-214. And what's that? What's a DD-214? It's to prove that they were in the military. Okay. They have to have that document in order to get that VA loan. Yeah. Five weeks. It normally takes five days. Wow. That is a long time. So we had to get innovative with those clients. The the seller of that property that was buying another property, those people were going back to Canada. And so they ended up doing a pre-occupancy agreement for the seller of this property. Hopefully the buyers for this property will move in and offset the rent that she's paying on the other one as we try to buy more time. And it'll eventually go through, but it's like, come on. It's a DD-214. Yeah. Shouldn't be that hard to send out, but that's where we are in delays. All of my March transactions actually got pushed to April. Okay. About 10 of them. What's the average right now for closing? You're looking at at least 45 days. 45. Okay. I'd say 40. As a matter of fact, on on his conference call that I was kind of in the background on, you know, his, his higher ups were saying, you know, let your agents know that we need a good 45 days to close right now. Okay. Because there's a backlog. Um, government documents, things like that. The other one, I have another one right now that crazy thing. She, um, we had a buyer buying a property. Seller passed away the day before closing. So the P, the power of attorney was null and void. So it's been in probate now for five weeks. We still don't have an answer. It could be another six. So that family let her move in on a pre-occupancy agreement until it can get through probate. So kind of crazy. Before I get into something else, I want to talk to you real quick about the rental market. What are you foreseeing there? Um, All right. So we just have a huge need for rentals in our market, period. Mm. End of story. I mean, rentals go on the market and they're rented like that. You can't even go see a rental property before it's already rented. I mean, it just hits the market and they're already under contract. It's ridiculous. Now, what I see is a lot of apartments being built, especially over in the Desert Ridge area and other places, as well as there's a lot of investors that have moved into Dubai and hold properties. That will take place more so as property values come down if they come down. More investors will step in and do buy and hold properties until the market picks back up. Um, Very difficult to get rentals, really is. That's why there's so many apartment buildings being built right now because there's not enough homes to be rented out to people. I don't see that declining. People are gonna need a place to live. Now, what I do see is that there's gonna be a lot of people that can't pay their rent. And right now they're not allowed to get evicted. Yeah. 
what's going to happen in two to four months? Sure. They're going to have to start paying that money. Yeah. So here's the word of advice that I want to put out there to anybody and everybody who is thinking about not making payments on things and things like that. Make the payments that you can. Don't get caught up in this backlog that you can never dig out of. If you have $200 extra after food and everything else, put that towards one of your bills. Sure. Keep the flow going as much as you can because otherwise eventually it's, it's going to surmount and, and you're not going to be able to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Fred, do you have anything to add to that? Cause, cause you have your book. Fred has I haven't a book. heard anything from you. I, I know. Fred, Fred has a book called the financial game plan. You have some words of advice. Cause you know, you wrote a whole book about cents, money, cents, dimes, nickels. <laughs> So, so basically on that situation, see, I did, I do things a little bit different because I don't believe in, in debt. So I believe in just paying things, paying things off. Like when I, when I buckled down, I paid off the house in two years and, uh, good for you, man. Well, that, that was, that was back then and I'm divorced and she got the house. I kept (laughs) it right. So okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in that boat where I will be looking for another house eventually. So, but the thing that I kind of look some realtors, Fred. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. And she so, knows some Fred, she knows some single good looking real estate friends. You have to do that all the time. Don't you? You're like pimping me out. <laughs> So when it comes when it comes down to money, it, 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 exactly what you're saying, do everything you possibly can. Most people are lazy when it comes down to things. They're like, I understand that in circumstances they're, they, that they're in, that they maybe lost their job. And what do you do? But there are other places that are hiring, and you might have to do something that's beneath what you're normally trained in. And especially right now with what's going on is – you might have to retool. Like I have a really good friend. He's a dentist and you're thinking he got hit hard. And sure. how long is it going to take until like all this stuff is going to be recovered? Cause people are not going to want to go to the dentist or even going to uh, the eye doctor. Sure. So, so things that if you don't have money, that's the problem with people in this day and age, they don't have any money set aside. And when something happens, they're living paycheck by paycheck. And when something happens, then they're SOL. That's yeah. why when you kind of look at Canadians, Canadians tend to live a little bit different. They don't live paycheck by paycheck. Right. No, and I, I think this is the rude awakening for, for us Americans to saying, hey, act your wage. Start basically, start, instead of taking all the money you have to impress other people that don't even give a shit about you, right. to go ahead and start working on your savings and setting aside that for an emergency fund. That type of stuff. No one expected this thing to happen. What's going no. on right now? The thing is, is that if you're prepared, like like food wise, money wise, things like that, we all have to. This is a rude awakening for all of us to take more financial accountability, more accountability with being with our loved ones on communication, which I don't really see. Right. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of, you you bring up relationships and things like that. 
I can't tell you how many people right now are telling me like, oh my gosh, my, my spouse is working from home too. And like, we're here. And I don't really know if I like my spouse. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Okay. Like if, if you're like trying to get away, there might be a problem. Like this is kind of a scary thing. There's more domestic violence right now um, than there has been in a long time that the statistics are going up. There's um, more child abuse going on right now because everybody's home together and we as Americans aren't used to that. We're all used to kind of going our separate ways and doing different things. And we're, we're kind of spoiled in that way. We live kind of a selfish lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really and, I think, and I think that will change. I think yeah. people are going to be stop the whole narcissistic uh, lifestyle. It's all about, the, I, I tell, tell people, stop living the me. It's the we now. We need to all come together and unite, stay at home, do our part. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and, and when I'm saying, you know, that I hear a lot of people like fighting and things like that, I will also say that I've seen a lot of acts of true humanity over the last couple of weeks as well. Really? I've seen people do amazing things for other people. And the world. I mean, when you look at the world as a whole, the whole world is trying to kind of embrace everybody at this point. And they're all working together to try to find a cure. They're all working together to try to find a vaccine. There's communication going back and forth across the world. And I think that it's pretty amazing to see that because I don't think we've had that happen in history, at least for a really long time. Exactly. And I know it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, from what I'm seeing now, I've been seeing people by posting stuff on Facebook that they're really, they're, they're blaming China for this. People are talking about bioterrorism, people are whatever, putting a blame on this instead of looking at it as it's all embraced. We're all in this together. Right. And it's all, and whether or not this was or was not, it's basically that love. That is a key thing. I look at it as this is like, just love each other, have compassion for each other. We're all in this together. We're all uniting because the thing is, is like if we want our human race to survive, we have to embrace that. We do. We do. I'm a huge advocate of that. As a matter of fact, like being in the, by the way, it's really weird for me to be in living in apartments. I haven't lived in an apartment in a really long time. And but we combined households. Okay. So like I came over here first because all of my kids moved out that are adults. All right, here we go. So the neighbor across the way, she's a nurse. She's always at the Mayo clinic. Um, hadn't had time to go to the store. Hadn't, you know, so she's out walking her dog one morning and I just said, Hey, so I know you've been at work a lot and, and I know that a lot has been going on. Have you had time to go get toilet paper and, and toiletries and the things that you need? She's like, no, I, I finally got a day off and I went to all the stores and everybody was out. So here I am throwing stuff over to her over the fence, you know, like, okay, here you go. Here's, here's a few rolls of toilet paper. Here's this, here's that. <laughs> everybody's kind of looking at me like what are you doing that's a commodity like you can't give that away I'm like I bought 96 rolls bitches that's what I did (laughs) (laughs) we got 96 rolls of the janitorial supply and I can share I'm not gonna run out (laughs) (laughs) hey Tina we are here at the end of our show this evening yes one to two minutes left so okay. what I would love for you to do is tell people how they can get a hold of you, what else is going on real quick, sure. and so that you can make a difference in their lives. 
All right. So you can get a hold of me at Tina at TinaValiant.com. That is my new brand. Um, we are going to start promoting my new book coming out called Relationship Real Estate. We have several workshops that we're going to be doing virtually now that we were doing in person. They're two-day workshops, the 16 Steps to Real Estate Success. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm putting together private Facebook groups of all the people that have already taken that course so everybody can continue to collaborate. Um, you can reach me at 602-644-0591. Um, you will get myself or my assistant, Mariah. She's my right hand and has been for years, and thank God for her. And we just have a lot of really neat, cool things going on that I can't wait to teach people. And I'm coming up with more trainings and workshops all the time. So what else do you want from me? <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I appreciate you being on the show tonight, sharing your experience, sharing about what's going on in the market, how you and your team are managing all this. And it's, it's been truly a pleasure and honor having you here with us tonight as our guest. So thank you very much, Tina. Thank you for having me. You guys have been a lot of fun. One of well, my favorite podcasts I've done so far. Great. Well, I'm glad we made it entertaining. Fred's quiet, <laughs> but eventually we wake him up and he's just a chatterbox. He is. He's so quiet over there. <laughs> when you two were just going back and forth, you know, talking real estate, and I'm like, I'm going to chime in. I don't, yeah. I didn't do anything that. You, you chimed in well, Fred. You did good. Like I, and, and you know, so what is this book you wrote? Before we go, I need to know what book you wrote. Uh, I, my book is called Financial Game Plan for Your Dollars and Cents. It's my 12-step program that I learned from my parents on how they live their life and how I live my life and, and how I'm debt-free. It's a little different. I, I'll give a really quick story about credit cards. Yep. I ended up um, didn't believe in credit cards at all. You know, I got rid, got, got rid of the credit card. And when I paid off my student loans, paid off car payments, paid off well, uh, all sorts of different things. When I paid off my, my home loan and when I got divorced, I kind of thought like, okay, uh, I needed a credit card because I wanted to get the mileage, the miles, flight miles, because I was flying back and forth for a job and they were paying for for my airline ticket. So I was like, might as well get some points out of this. Absolutely. So when I, so when I applied, they said, uh, after I unfroze my credit, they said, you don't, you don't exist. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't exist? You have a zero score. And I'm like, what? So then basically what ended up happening is they, they were saying eight years, if you don't use your credit, it disappears. Yeah. And I was like, nobody even told me that. And I learned the hard way. And so when I went to go get a credit card, the banks were telling me, hey, you give us $1,000, we'll give you this secure card. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm giving you $1,000. And it's like, why even, I'll just have a debit card. And so yeah. finally I had to convince one of my credit, uh, credit unions. And I was like, look, I had my cars with you. I've been with you since 1996. When I first moved to Arizona, it's like, work with me. So I was like, well, we'll give you $1,000. Then we can go ahead and increase it as we go along. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So the whole thing that I look at it, like the whole credit card stuff is the FICA, I love debt type of thing. And I always feel like if you can't afford it, then don't buy it. But you have to have two lines of credit out there that's active in order to have a good credit score. 
So yeah, when, when you're kind of looking at it as like when you're buying a house. Right. And so, yeah. And so when I kind of looked at it as like, I was saying, okay, I'm going to get a, I want to get a house again. And they were basically saying, well, we could do manual underwriting. And then when I looked at it saying, okay, what's the interest rate? So it's like a, it's a, a point higher. And I'm like, I'm like, hell with that. So then right. it was, so it's like, so I had broke my principal. I got a card. I basically just charge like equipment and then I end up paying it off every month. And you get miles, right? Uh, I didn't even get that one because they you couldn't give it to card. me. Darn it. So, so well, you, you, guys, you have been a ton of fun and I am totally exhausted now from moving today and hanging out with you guys. So I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's no problem, Tina. Thank you again. And so that you know, Fred is open, always open for speaking engagements. Really? Yes. He'll come in and talk about his book and give great resources and tips about how to be financially stable in your life. Definitely. Well, Fred, we may have to get together and put some, put some, put some workshops and seminars together. Okay? Yeah, definitely. I could definitely tell people how they can go ahead and pay off their house as quick as possible. Yeah. All right, great. Chris is waving me down, so we got to come talk. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you. Bye, guys. <laughs> yeah.